Oli Christian Bach was one of Europe's most prolific financial criminals. Most known for large-scale pyramid schemes and falsified loans that took victims for millions. At the time of his mysterious death, he was wanted by Interpol in 182 countries. Today, we'll be talking to Lynn Vonti, Ollie Christian's partner at the time of his death in 2005. In this three-part series, we'll discuss how she became integral in his communication with the press while he was in hiding, and why the circumstances of his mysterious death are not consistent with the way they were reported by law enforcement. From Storic Media, you're listening to Codename Siren, a true crime podcast with Nina Hobson. Can you take us right back to your story, how you met him, how you became aware of what he was involved in and how that kind of started for you? Uh, The first time I met him was in 2005 when he was on the run. The first time I saw him and was aware of him, I was 15 years old because, as I said, he was on the news. He did some crime. I made a comment to my dad, which he didn't like, and... uh, because I was like, oh, is it so easy? You can just uh, do some finance crime and then you can sit in prison and you can do your uh, university study without having the, to pay your uh, university uh, mortgage, you know, because that was what he did. And that's a good thing that they have that system in prison, I think, no. But when I was 15, I was like, oh, that seems like an easy way out. And uh, so that was when I first started, you know, paying attention in news. It's like because he was like everywhere. And then I met him, it was uh, 2005, and my father needed a lawyer. And at that time, my father was married to a doctor in Cuba. So he went back and forth to Cuba a lot. So due to time, uh, the time and all of that, when uh, he needed to give my dad a message, he uh, often called me and I gave it to my dad when he called me. And it was Cuba, it was like... You know how it was there, so no technological uh, anything. Uh, Ole Christian was on the news back again because of uh, his story, and he was going on the run. The lawyer was all over the news and in shows, and you know, so it everyone knew that he was his lawyer, and he happened to be my dad's lawyer. And one day he said to me, "You know, you're such a good, you you should be a shrink." I used to uh, do hair, so I could do both <laughs> with people. So he was like, I have this client uh, that really could need someone to speak to and talk to. So uh, would you uh, would you do that? And I was like, yeah, yeah, can do that. And then one night I had put my children to bed and uh, I uh, got an SMS saying, hello, I guess maybe you know who I am. I've been told that I can call you and we can speak a little bit. Yeah, are you up to? I was free and I was like yeah I'm free within an hour because I was going to see my weekly tv show with dear Elaine (laughs) so then like one hour later the phone rang and it was him and I was like "Uh, well hello (laughs) I mean uh, last time I saw you it was on the news and you're on the run and hidden from 
everywhere, uh, everyone. Uh, and, and the last time I checked, it was like Interpol in 182 countries was searching for him. So I was like, what the hell are you doing there? Why aren't you here? What I, uh, what's your story? And, and what what was he on the run for? What was, At that point, what was the, your understanding, having seen him on the news and knowing that he was on the run from all of those countries wanted by Interpol, at that first point of your contact, what was your understanding of what he'd done? Uh, well, the first time I uh, talked to him, I didn't ask him. And uh, but I of course I googled it and I uh, read in, in the news and it was uh, finance and fraud and a lot of yeah heavy crime and then uh, you know we started talking and he he called me every day and then I asked but I didn't ask about the case because it's like obviously I can just look at the news I don't have to ask and it's not my business what you have done I was more interested in why are you on the run. And he had been in prison before. So he was like, so I was more interested. He's like, okay, I can see you have done this crime. As I said, it's on the television every day. But why are you on the run? Why are you doing like this? So you were kind of like the psychology behind why you, you, you have done all, you've done all of these things and now everyone's looking for you. So rather than you, you've been in prison before. And I mean, he was, um, he was accused of serious, serious financial fraud. And then he was actually involved in the theft and sale of um, the Madonna picture. I mean, ser- ser- serious stuff. He would have been really proud of me because I just started painting in February, six weeks ago, and everyone say I'm really good. <laughs> That's the influence. But um, so at that point, you're like, you've done all of these things. You've already been to prison. So you are a person that, you know, has survived and coped with being in prison. So why do you not just face your crimes and do your time? So that is your head. But um, but you don't ask him about the cases at all. How old are you at this point? At this point, I am 31, 32. So it's, it's 15 years since you saw him on the news originally when you were 15. Yeah. And then 15 years later, by, uh, by a, an associate mm. of your dad's or the same mm. lawyer, mm. you get in contact. Now, you say, you know, that the lawyer said that you would be a great person for for back to talk to do you think now looking back that that was a a a planned and motivated role that back had somehow decided he wanted you wanted to talk to you wanted more because it's a kind of a random thing that uh, a young lady is just approached by a guy like in that way so obviously he didn't know who i was or who I am, uh, but it, so the lawyer said, you know, I have this because you know that uh, he was very close to his lawyer, obviously in a situation like his, and I got to know a lot of more of their relationship further down the road. But in the beginning, it was like uh, it was like I said, you know, he was like, uh, I have this uh, client. His uh, daughter, he is in Cuba, so he has to da 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 da. Maybe they have someone they know, you know, the same people. What do I know? <laughs> so, uh, and he's, he was like, she's just brilliant. She's just so cool, and you should talk to her. And she's just, I don't know. So uh, that was okay, I can talk to him. So the conversation started, and he's texting and 
you're you're talking and you're and are, it was like that it was like that it was like texting and talking uh, we spoke every night and it's like we became uh, you know then you just become it's like the it was uh, we were very early with a clubhouse social media thing it was like you know because we were just chatting uh, along every night so maybe it was also i i understood uh, that he because I wasn't like, you know, I, I don't want to talk to you a lot uh, about your crime and stuff because I'm more interesting, interested in you as a person and, you know, your story and life. And, you know, I like stories. I mean, I've written two books. I, I like stories. So I was more into, you know, getting to know, uh, you know, the guy, not the crime, not the crime finance person. You know what I mean? I was more interested in why and uh, where and how and... Yeah, and why don't you why don't you face it and go back? You know, I couldn't understand that. And if I look back on it now, you can ask one million questions around how everything happened, especially the end. So it's like the start. Uh, that was what how it started. And if that was planted by anyone, I don't know. So while you're talking to him and you're trying to understand why you don't face your consequences, do you think that was appealing to him because you weren't asking about the case or what the crimes that he had done? And so that was what kind of strengthened your relationship? Yeah, absolutely. I think so, especially now looking back at it and after years, because it's like it was his escape from his situation, you know, because he had, he could look forward to, you know, chatting with me and he could ask me about silly things. It was snowing in Norway. He was in the Middle East, you know. So I didn't know where he was. I didn't ask ever. I was like, I don't want to ask you where you are because I know you can't answer. So I'm not going to ask silly questions. Right. Yeah. So you you didn't put yourself in a predicament where you knew where he was because obviously you knew he was wanted so absolutely heavily. and i uh, and at the time as i said i worked as a hairdresser for many many years uh, in my life and i had uh, among uh, i had lots of you know clients and i asked one of them uh, which is a lawyer is it illegal to speak to him and the answer was no okay so this relationship develops at what point did you feel or how did it become uh, uh, like it's like it's like current day dating, you know. We start talking. Uh, at what point did you become more than just friends on the phone? What point did you suddenly go, "I have feelings for this guy," or vice versa? That was after uh, I have met him, because that was, you know, for me it was safe to talk to him because it's like I was a single mom living at home with two kids, so I can speak to him as much as, and he could be wherever. And have done whatever because I was never going to meet him anyway. That was my plan. But everyone that knows, only Kaylor knew, only Kaysen Buck knows that right. no is the best answer you can give him because that's just uh, you know a cooler way to get his yes. Yeah. So that's the kind of guy he was. So it's, right. I was never going okay. to meet him. And then he was there after some weeks. He was like, well, you know, it's time I uh, I take you off to dinner and I, you know, we can sit down and I can give you a hug. And it's like, yeah, haha, funny, funny. That will never happen uh, unless you come home and I will ding dong on the prison door. Hello. <laughs> So then, and after weeks, he, uh, he, you know, he just charmed his way in and uh, convinced me to go and have a dinner with him. And I was like, okay, 
how do we do this? And he was like, well, you just fly to Dubai and then we, uh, I pick you up and we go for a dinner and you fly back. Okay. So, okay. I mean, I mean, the guy's wanted in every country in the world, Interpol are after him. No one knows where he is. His face is on every media. He's done crimes that have, you know, literally put the world into chaos. And now he says to you, so he, and this is obviously he's not alive and that's something we'll talk about later. But so at this point, he now asks you on a date and you agree so he's risking a lot right now. Yeah, he's risking true. the fact that he's telling someone where he is and he wants to get you to go from a different country. Not, I mean, he knows you obviously from conversations, but that's a, that's a huge risk for him. So I would never dare to ask me today to do that. Let me put it that way. <laughs> wow. So he, he, it's not like we're just going on a date and live around the corner. He, it, there's a lot of planning that's now got to go into this. He obviously trusts you for in order to do this. Um, you obviously trust him in a way that you feel safe because he's a criminal. He's a known criminal. He's a wanted criminal. So he invites you on a date. So tell us what happens, how that works. That works the way that you, you know, you get your plane ticket and then uh, for the destination and you go to the little airport in little Christian uh, Sun where I am from. And I remember she looked at my ticket and she was like, oh, you're going to, oh, lucky you're going to Dubai with a stop in Amsterdam. And I was like, yeah, lucky me. Hmm. We will see about that. And I just thought, what if I told her where I'm going and who I'm going to meet? I wonder what happened, what will happen then? And then I was like, yeah, yeah. And I went, I went on the plane. I got to the Netherlands. The plane to Dubai was delayed, so I had to wait there for 33 hours. And Ole Christian was on the phone and he heard, you know, the flight personal saying, yeah, you can take this plane to uh, the flight to Abu Dhabi. And I don't know where Abu Dhabi is. I didn't know then. And he was like, just do that. Just get on the plane to Abu Dhabi and I will pick you up. And I was like, oh, where the hell is Abu Dhabi? It's like, it's, it's like Sweden and Norway. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's go to Abu Dhabi. I had to stop uh, in Bahrain. And so I came to Abu Dhabi. I came out after, you know, several hours. And then uh, a guy just looked at me and he said, I'm going to pick you up. I guess you are Lynn. Uh, I am Pelle. His name wasn't Pelle, but that was, you know, everyone, everyone. That was, you know, that was fun. You had to make up uh, names for everyone. And what was your name? He named me Ting Ling. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I came out and there he was. Under He was hiding uh, under a palm tree with uh, wearing this uh, Peter, Pan, Peter Pan, you know, gray and green little hat wearing his jeans and white t-shirt and, you know, just smile at me and say, hello, welcome to the Middle East. And what was your thought at that point? Uh, at that point, what was my thought? I, I remember I was thinking when I saw him, like, this is really surreal. This is like being in the middle of a movie or something. And did you, did you tell anyone that you were doing this? Did you tell anyone at all? Not the first time when I went, uh, when I went the first time, to meet him, as I told you, 
I didn't tell anyone. I told them I was going to a friend uh, that live in another. She lives in another place in Norway, and uh, because I was divorced, so my children stayed at their dad's from you know Thursday to Monday every other week. So I said I was going to a friend of mine, and I didn't even say to her that I was coming <laughs> to her. <laughs> wow. So did you fear that anyone at any point was following you? Did you think that uh, obviously it was drama getting there? No, not at the, not in the beginning. No, not in the beginning. But uh, it was like uh, from I met him until he died, it was only six months. But I remember I talked to a priest many years after, and he said, "You lived twenty five years in six months." You know, so it's like it went very fast. From uh, from no, I didn't tell anyone. No, I wasn't afraid to. Yes, I had to tell, and yes, I was afraid. Right. So those six months was like this. Right. It was very intense in every way. So everything went fast from meeting each other, falling head over heels in love with each other was not the plan, neither from my side or from his side, as you said, because he risks pretty much more than me. So you have arrived in Dubai, you've been picked up by somebody, you've been taken to him, and he's kind of not really disguised, but he's kind of trying to keep low but he's in public he was waiting on outside the airport so i was driving with him from abu dhabi to dubai and i remember i commented because he is a guy and he loved his cars and he was driving like he had stolen it had he had he stolen it <laughs> no <laughs> someone had rented it because he actually had helpers and friends that still believed in him so anyway, he was like, yeah, you can just open, uh, you know, open that uh, box. And it was like a lot of speeding tickets. So uh, he was like, I can't keep speeding. I shouldn't keep speeding because I'm on the run and I got this uh, speeding tickets on this car. It's not good. So he was still, I I, I, I think, that I, as I've learned uh, to know him through someone that knew him before I met him. When I say that, I just laugh because they say, okay, he was still himself, even being on the run. He loved his cars. He loved speeding. He loves, you know, he was a man. Yeah. So he, he there's certain things he couldn't give up regardless of his life. And maybe maybe also the appetite of women. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He was a man. He was a man. So you're, you're in this car. He's using false details, obviously. Um, and you've got a new name and everyone around you is is got false names and it feels like a movie to you you go you're speeding away wherever you're going and, and you drive from Abu Dhabi to back to Dubai mm-hmm. okay so that's how far no, that's not far a couple at all a couple of hours isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. It's not far. it went very fast because you know we were just talking and laughing and all of a sudden we came to Dubai and then we came to his uh, apartment that someone had rented uh, and I will not mention who owns the uh, apartment and but I was making a I was laughing because of course it was 007 on the door <laughs> so he had apartment 007 that was funny so that was where he stayed, you know. And uh, but he was, as you said, it was uh, uh, it was nice that you described him as a gentleman uh, because he was. So he, I, there was my guest room and da da da. So everything was, you know, very like old fashioned. Which uh, yeah, yeah. So that was nice. Wow! And did you get your dinner? 
I did. I got my olives and dinner and wine. And did you go out or was everything done behind the closed doors of the apartment? No, we stayed uh, in the apartment, but we, we got out a lot. We, I've seen a lot of Dubai, seen a lot of Oman. So we went out, we, and you know, in the end, in uh, the Middle East, we rented an apartment in uh, Oman and stayed there. But he stayed in Dubai for like, I met him in January and he moved from Dubai to Oman. I guess it was in April he had to move again. Because a big newspaper in Norway called Dagbladet, they're journalists. They found him, so they put him on the paper. Here he is, and it was a picture of him from the balcony in an apartment in Dubai. And of course, uh, the head attorney and lawyers and police was like furious because how the hell can uh, the journalists find him and not they and not Interpol in 182 countries? So they was like, here he is. That was the big, you know, here he is. That was the big uh, headline in, on the news. Uh, and then he had to move. And I remember he was on the phone with me and he was like, for fuck's sake, I'm in the middle of McDonald's and I can't see. I doesn't have my glasses and I can hear this Norwegian family behind me. <laughs> wow. So it's like, so because all of a sudden he changed to speak, uh, he spoke uh, uh, English because of the Norwegians. So he just had to get out. And then he had to move to Oman and go, you know, under. So then it was like, yeah, so, but he was out, uh, been to meeting with lawyers. You can buy everything in Dubai. You can even buy a new identity if you want. Seriously. And the lawyer, he was like, he looked at him and he was like, let's say you're from South Africa. You seem like that. Let's say this name and this. And he said, I remember that meeting because I called that lawyer in the book. I call him short. I remember him a big, typical Middle East uh, with a white and, you know, I was like, wow. And he, because he said to Oli Christian, who knows about this? And Oli Christian said, her. And he looked at him and he said, well, you better keep her happy then. <laughs> Do you know why he chose the Middle East? What was that? Why was that the safe haven for him? Yeah, I think it was the safe haven with his contacts, uh, the way uh, I, you know, saw it, uh, because he had some friends that uh, arranged thing from, things for him, and he also had his business contacts in Norway that came down to visit and to do business, because they had this, you know, the business in Norway wanted to use Ole Christian, and he had his contacts in Dubai. You know, this is a world that I'm like... When that goes on, I'm like, pling, plong, plong, pling. It's like, not. I don't fancy that world. Right, okay. So it's like, okay, do whatever. It's like, and I was, but I was just like, I was like fascinated about, you know, you can be on the run and you can be wanted from Interpol in 182 countries, but still you are in Dubai, walking around, driving and having speeding tickets, go and buy your... McDonald's, and uh, he didn't do that often, but, and, you know, your ice cream, and still do business. How can that be happening? So what, what I mean, this is a, a question you may not know, but um, was was he only able to do this because he had contacts and people who were helping him? Uh, yes, I guess so. I mean, uh, how can you do it if not? Right. So his name was, uh, because in Dubai, he, was, he wasn't known as Ola. He didn't use that name. He used another name. 
and he had, you know, this uh, passport, which was fake. So he had all of that. Right. So go back to then the the first dinner in the apartment. He's a real gentleman. You've got your own room. At what point did you suddenly go, wow, because obviously you were in love with this guy at some point. You can, you know, from what you said. Yeah, yeah, I was very, you know, interested in, uh, obviously, because I went all the way uh, to meet him. Uh, because he was a really interesting uh, guy. He was very funny. He was really funny. And he was very charming. He was a typical, he was a typical him, you know. I mean, of course, it was, leave it up to him to be Ole Christian Bach. You know, everyone that knows him will understand what I mean. Yeah. So it you can you could not not be charmed by him. Let me put it that way. Right. And he was so charming. He was and he was such an old fashioned gentleman. I really loved it. It was like, and I was thinking I was looking at him the next day when he was doing breakfast, and I was like, look at this guy. He's like you know he's just like a regular guy, but then he's like on the run, and then all of the and then it kicked off in me. I was like, seriously, am I sitting here in Dubai with this? beautiful person and he is a big criminal oh my god i need to get home and then the next second when he looked at you and smiled at you and he said breakfast tingling then it was gone you forgot wow <laughs> so it was like this it was like this yeah yeah it's like i guess everyone that have uh, that's been in love can uh, relate to the feeling you know you can go be crazy yeah <laughs> oh trust me I'm, i've been there <laughs> with the guy that's like he's a criminal oh but look at his eyes <laughs> so. exactly but you know what i was like uh because everyone everyone has been asking me the question i've been asked the most after he said how could you do that uh him being the criminal he was and you know uh, especially uh these days because i have a son bless him he's he was 29 yesterday he has been in and out of prison since he was 17 and he is the most lovable person walking on the planet. He touched and moved every person he meets. And he is absolutely to be loved, even if he is a criminal. And so was Ole Christian. So was this kind of this criminal, the encounter with the criminal, was this the kind of first time that you had dipped your toe into yeah. this underworld? So it was, everything was, there's, Everything was new. Your understanding of what was going on was limited and you were learning from him, I suppose. Yeah, I, I've never, you know, it's like I, when I grew up in Kristiansand, we had, you know, boys that were, you know, in touch with the police, but not like in this level. Uh, so no, i never been, uh, never seen anything like it before or after. Okay. I, yeah. So you decide that you... You're obviously in love with him. He's charming you. And so how long do you stay with him on that first occasion? First occasion, I was there for three days. And I was, uh, when I was heading back and I was packing and he was like, yeah, do you need to pack all of that? It's winter in Norway. Can't you come back within two weeks when your kids are going back to the dad again? And I was just looking at him and I said, seriously, I can't do that. And he was like, why not? Are you going to meet someone else? He was funny and... Uh... <laughs> And do you have other plans? <laughs> but I was like, but seriously, we can't do this. And then it was like five minutes of uh, back and forth. And then he won again. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. So uh, so it was like, yeah, okay, I don't need the bikinis and, uh, you know, the little skirts. I mean, it can hang and we, let's see. Right. 
So it, 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 that can have, it can be, so let me just go home and let's continue to, you know, you can call me and all of that. Yeah. But then it was, as I said, it was 25 years in six months. Join me next week as we go deeper into Lynn's story as she finds herself becoming Ollie Christian's liaison to the press and the conflicted feelings that came with falling in love with a wanted criminal. Until next time, I'm Nina Hobson, and this has been Codename Siren.